Alrighty then, here we go. Welcome to Trending Now on this Friday. It is the summer solstice. Solstice. Salsa. I'm thinking salsa. It's the summer salsa. June 21, 2019, first day of summer. Um, here where we are located in good old Cape Ann, it's uh, another gray day. And uh, as I said, I, I've said this a few times, so it's getting kind of warm, but I, I did run into a person and said, you know, it's, it's been an okay spring. We've only had, it's only rained twice, once for 40 days and another time for 30 days. And yeah. yet again, uh, pretty damp out there, but it's a beauty. And uh, I'm Rick Moore, along with Josh Arnold, our producer and engineer is Bill Popowski. Hello. Hello. What's up? I get the feeling we're in Seattle. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I, we, we, we visited Ireland in uh, a few years ago, and we were there for 10 days, and it rained nine of those 10 days. Now, it didn't, you know, it wasn't constant rain, but it, there was at least some rain in nine of the 10 days, and on several of those days, it was just horizontal rain. But uh, you know what? There's rain gear for that, so it's all right. Yeah. Yep. I, we did Ireland and England on our honeymoon, so I'd like to go back some pretty great. Absolutely. And what's lined up for this morning? And Bruce Toby, who's, uh, in addition to being the former mayor, is uh, one of the tri-captains or tri-chairs of the uh, 400th anniversary of Gloucester Committee. He's going to give us an update on where they are and what they're doing and what the future looks like uh, when we come up on our celebration in 2023. Then Paul Lundberg, the city council president of Gloucester, has and I are going to talk about a number of uh, things uh, in Gloucester, and uh, we should go from there. All righty. We'll be right back. Gloucester's Walter Wilkins Insurance Agency is teaming up with Columbia Insurance to deliver a full line of products, personal home and auto policies, as well as a full line of commercial coverage for business owners, including commercial property and commercial vehicle coverage. Wilkins partners with respected companies such as Plymouth Rock, Quincy Mutual, Commerce, and Safeco. For City of Gloucester employees, there are discounts on auto and home policies. Wilkins Insurance is located at 186 Main Street, Gloucester. Now partnering with Columbia Insurance, serving the North Shore. Stable businesses form the backbone of strong communities, and nothing provides greater advantage than having strong business banking professionals behind you. Since 1846, businesses on Cape Ann have leveraged the strength and stability of Cape Ann Savings Bank to grow and thrive. Let's talk about your business. Call 978-283-0246 or visit capeannsavings.bank to learn how we can help you grow your business your way. Cape Ann Savings Bank, built on stability. Member FDIC, member DIF, Equal Housing Limited. Fact is, including the commute, people spend 10 hours a day at work. No wonder they're forced to buy car insurance in 15 minutes. They just don't have time to go meet with someone. Well, Columbia Insurance has an alternative. The insurance professionals at Columbia Insurance Agency will meet with you at your workplace. Even better, we'll go to the registry and bring your plates back to you at work, free of charge. At Columbia Insurance Agency, we come to you, and we really do. Visit Columbia Insurance Agency. up an appointment today. That's ColumbiaInsuranceAgency.net. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Arnold. Our first guest is uh, no stranger to the show, uh, Bruce Toby, who is the former mayor of Gloucester and is uh, tri-captain or tri-chair of the 400th Anniversary Committee. Bruce, welcome to the program. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. Well, I know you've been, you had an all-day plan or a half-day planning meeting recently with your crew, and uh, tell us what's going on with the 400th celebration. Uh, give us an update. 
Back uh, the last weekend in April, uh, we did a uh, Saturday um, community meeting in the City Hall Auditorium, the Kairos Auditorium, um, where we looked to bring things together. You'll recall we had had two other community meetings uh, a year ago, the previous April, and six months later that autumn. Um, and, and, and those were exercises in getting people thinking, brainstorming, throwing ideas against the wall to see if they stuck, um, and on the wide variety of uh, event categories that we're looking at, ranging from harbor events to veterans events to sporting events, and on and on it goes, um, arts and culture and literature, all the things that have made Gloucester special for 400 years of its vibrant history. Um, ideas were great. The key was to begin the transition to raking them all into an organized pile so the committees that would work on an identified listing of specific events could begin. Um, that's exactly what happened on that last Saturday of April in City Hall where we had a crowd of over 100 folks um, uh, and we teed up the event so that it turned into a very participatory uh, charrette with folks going to the table with the subject matter of interest to them. Um, interesting observation. There's not a table in City Hall big enough to seat all the folks who wanted to work on that broad category of events called arts. They went upstairs to the third floor conference room, and that was jammed wall to wall. Yeah. Um, but similarly, lots of, while smaller groups, active groups at Edgeburg gathered on the whole array of activities, um, working on identifying committee chairs, working to identify committee composition, but most fundamentally critical, the event kind, the event types that would uh, be their piece of the year's agenda to fill. Um, worked very well. Uh, some great leaders came forward um, and some very dynamic um, ideas are already beginning to populate um, an emerging calendar for 2023. Our challenge is it's four years away, and um, uh, we've got to sustain this energy and use this this time well. Um, uh, and yet, that said, we don't want folks to uh, in the community um, um, to go four years with nothing happening. Uh, so already we're talking about um, a sort of limited menu of teaser events that we could launch perhaps as soon as next year, just to give folks an idea of the uh, quality and caliber of the kind of event uh, planning we're doing for 2023 by beginning events earlier. Um, so stay tuned. You know, I look at, at uh, the celebration thing. If you did a parade just for the anniversary, what does that cost? 50000 40,000? I mean, do you have a sense of uh, what the full range of activities that cycle out of this are going to cost, and, and what it, and how do you energize or uh, go about, what, what are some of the strategies you're looking at to uh, raise money for this? And, and you know, is someone going to say, well, I can be a sponsor of the parade, but I can't, I can't do it for the ball or whatever. I mean, how do you distinguish what things, where the money goes and which, uh, how, how does that sort out? 
Well, there are a couple of categories of answers. Um, one, for example, is uh, we have made it very clear to each of the planning committees that they, they need to be thinking about funding the events that they're doing because the, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the tri-captains and the steering committee aren't going to be sitting there like Daddy Warbucks handing out money. Um, the goal is to uh, get some uh, self-sustaining energy on the table. Uh, do we intend to raise money? Yes, for stated purposes, and, and we're going to do it smart. Um, but we aren't going to raise money just to raise money. So answer number one, um, self-funded events. Um, uh, answer number two, uh, layering on top of that, the sponsorship piece will certainly be very important um, as, as each of the groups goes forward, and we're going to have, have a, a good role coordinating how sponsorships work. Uh, third answer, um, don't forget that as we speak here in, in late June of 2019, we're in the middle of the first phase of the uh, um, competition to, to select the designer and the design of a commemorative medal um, through a jury competition process with applications due and, uh, by the end of August of this year with a decision in time for the Christmas shopping season. Um, that's going to be a revenue generator, Josh, and, and I can tell you from the history of the 375 that it raised substantial monies, six figures worth of monies. <coughs> what, for the uh, no, sale of a medallion? <coughs> say it again? For, you, you raised six digits for what? The medal, the, the commemorative metal. medal that Daniel Altshaw designed uh, that we issued in bronzes and silvers. Um, so we'll be doing our own fundraising through... Um, uh, approaches like that. So, so those are just three of the kinds of approaches we're looking at. And uh, in the meantime, we're running this thing mean and lean, um, uh, which is to say, we have two folk providing staff services, uh, each as part-time um, consultants. Um, so, we're raising money judiciously now, and we're spending it judiciously. Um, uh, and it's working. It's working well. Uh, we've got good talent in Christine Armstrong on our communications and marketing side. Um, the website is is already up for the medal competition, and a, a much more robust site uh, should be launched literally any day now that goes to the broader outlines of what 2023 will be all about. And then Matt Murray, Matthew Murray, uh, uh, a Gloucester person, is our part-time executive director doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes coordinating uh, that's that's just so important to getting an effort like this organized and off the ground. Good. What uh, what about the research? Who who's doing research? Or have you got a, a research group that's looking at it? And what do you expect to come out of that? We've got a lot. First of all, we've got a lot of institutional memory. So, for example, um, Karen Tibbetts is going to be chairing the Harbor uh, Activity Group. Um, and boy, was that was that a crap. Uh, at the April charrette. Um, well, Karen co-chaired the Harbor Activities um, planning and execution in 1998 for the 375th. So there's a whole lot of been there, done that yep. um, in a foundational way that, that she and others like her are bringing to the table. Um, Matt Murray is, is, is blowing my socks off with the um, uh, depth of knowledge that he has. And yet... Here's the bottom line on all these efforts. This ain't no exclusive club. 
this is open for participation. Uh, and anyone, everyone who wants to step forward and help in any way, be it research or fundraising or specific types of activity areas, we want them. We want them ASAP. Yeah, I've got a couple of books on the history of the Gloucester Fire Department um, published back uh, early early part of the last century, but it gives a lot of the uh, some of the new new equipment uh, when they went from horses to uh, to engines and and all of that. Yeah, you know the uh, the the carriage house where they kept the horses used to be uh, located next to Central Grammar. And they picked it up and they moved it, and that's now the Forbes building. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much heritage, and and um, um, there's a story behind yeah. so many things that we take for granted today that, that's worth telling. Um, we've already done um, several uh, tapings and at least one showing. Uh, on uh, with, with help of the 1623 Studios, um, the first being Joe Favaza, um, talking about growing up in the fort, and, and you know, Joe's in his 90s, uh, and telling a particularly powerful story of being a six-year-old sitting at the foot of this canvas-covered thing on the boulevard when a parade came and the canvas came off. He was a witness to the unveiling of the Man at the Wheel statue. Huh. And he of the 300th anniversary's gift to the people of Gloucester. So, you know, there's a story. All these stories, we want them. I shared with Valerie Gilman recently, uh, she was on the show, but I shared with her privately that a, uh, when I was in student government day, uh, Leo Alper was on the city council, and we had the luncheon or whatever, and, and Leo, here's who my family was, and said, my grandfather was uh, would walk the beat in the morning uh had the graveyard shift and he said we would his kids would bring our beds over to the uh window tie a string around our big toe and hang it out the window he says your grandfather would come along and pull the strings of, of on people kids toes so they could shimmy down the gutter and run when the circus came to town on the railroad to see if i'd load the elephants and everything and i was you know uniquely leo but that was what i never would have known that and there's got to be a ton of those kind of stories out there uh so it'd be great to see uh how you guys capture them and uh and make use of them. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. I think in multiple ways. It's going to be good stuff. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for giving us an update, and uh, we'll have you back maybe uh, either in the summer or, or early fall, or, or I can come and tape a section, and we can play it in, uh, plug it into one of the other shows we do here on MSO. That sounds good. Now, I don't know quite exactly who's next behind me on your schedule this morning, but... Just understand that Paul Lundberg and I had a cup of coffee at the Willow Rest, and he's loaded for beer. Okay. All right. Very well. <laughs> Go get him. Say hi to Rick for me. Take care. Yeah, hey, come on. All right. Okay. Bye. Satisfy your appetite Eat, drink, and chill At the Silver
Baldwin Street Grill. Catch a game with friends, meet for lunch, cocktails after work, or a romantic dinner for two. Whatever your plan, plan to do it at Sylvan Street Grill in Peabody and Salisbury. See you at Sylvan Street. Eat, drink, and chill at the Sylvan Street Grill. MSONewsports.com, the multimedia website serving the North Shore. Featuring North Shore Sports Night, Monday night at 7, with Rick Moore and Tim Kearns with local North Shore sports guests. Hi folks, this is Gerard Moynihan of Moynihan Lumber. And if you're planning to replace the windows in your home, I have just two words for you. Anderson Windows. Anderson is the most trusted name in windows throughout the United States. See the complete line of Anderson windows on display at Moynihan Lumber in Beverly, North Reading, and Plastown, New Hampshire, or visit us at MoynihanLumber.com. Moynihan Lumber, we measure up. Welcome back to Trending Now with Josh Heinold. Our next guest is Gloucester City Council President Paul Lundberg. Paul, welcome to the program. Josh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, I wanted to start out and ask you, uh, actually I had a sidebar conversation with our previous guest, uh, Bruce Toby, uh, about Student Government Day, remind, remembering <coughs> something from back uh, when I was in high school. Uh, but the, it re- became revitalized this year. Can you weigh in and tell us about that process and and your observations on how it went. Sure, and it, excuse me. As you know, it's uh, it's it's mentioned in the city charter for uh, something that the city should do, and, and rightly so. And uh, you had uh, pointed out to some of us uh, elected officials that this was uh, a good thing to do. We were fortunate that uh, Councillor Gilman and uh, Holmgren and uh, Superintendent Sapphire uh, also agreed because they made it happen. Um, student Government Day, you know, the idea of involving our students in civics is just a tremendous idea and something we can't, can't do enough of because it really uh, demonstrates to uh, our young people that uh, government, uh, what government can do, certainly on a local level, which in my opinion is the most important level. Um, but we had uh, Student Government Day was well organized. We, um, we paired uh, high school students with uh, elected officials, city councilors, school committee, and the mayor, and the mayor was quite generous with her time, as well as uh, department heads, DPW and police and fire, all had um, students uh, kind of hook, uh, pair up with them. Students spent a couple of hours with each of us during the day um, to see what we do, uh, and then that evening, which was a city, a normal city council meeting, uh, we started a little early. We had a reception for the students and their parents. Uh, and then we had city council. We had, uh, one of the students, uh, lead, uh, the, uh, start off the meeting with, uh, singing the, uh, uh, the, the, um, you know, the national anthem, uh, led the, uh, the, um, uh, pledge of allegiance. And then each student gave us, uh, you know, a couple of minute capsule of what they learned that day. So, it really turned out well, and, and I hope it's going to happen, continue to happen again and again. 
So thank you for your input on that. Thank you. I uh, I got to shadow uh, uh, Fred Kairos and uh, Steve Monahan my two years, uh, the two years we had it wow. in high school. And uh, in 1980, I think it was 83 or 84 or 84, 85, I stopped in to see Freddie Kairos after having finished college, whatever, and uh, June and, and asked if I could see him, and they said look, he was tied up at the moment. Who, who should I say is calling? And I said, uh, tell him that the student city clerk from 1974 or five or whatever. And uh, <laughs> and the well, it was June Hammond comes out and she said, uh, Mr. Cairo said that tell Mr. Ronald I'll be with him in five minutes. <laughs> and that was vintage Freddie, and uh, he oh, was yeah. he was great. Uh, yeah, just uh, the, uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, sure. School construction uh, and other needed infrastructure. I know we still need another fire department. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the debate about where to build an, a school in East Gloucester. Uh, and I know there are restrictions uh, on, you know, uh, as far as state funding. And, and I'm going to turn the clock back a little bit. Uh, back in 1988 or 89, we had put forward a, a $2.5 million renovation addition for East Gloucester School. And that was predicated on getting school, what was then called school building assistance funding. And the city council said, no, we're not, we're not going to take your money. But we'll give you 910000 and you can build whatever you can build with that for your addition. And we did. And, and, I, and I lay that out there because I'm wondering to what extent that becomes a variable, that approach becomes a variable in the ongoing discussions, meaning how, how much is the city going to say we have to go by the state funding formula or 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 we're willing to step back and say, we're not going to take the state's money because we want to do X and their guidelines are too stringent that we can't do that. Where, where is so, so, so what we've done is, uh, is uh, you know, in accordance with the regulations of the Massachusetts State Building Authority, yep. which is the state vehicle to fund or help fund uh, public education facilities, uh, uh, elementary uh, uh, schools, uh, uh, you know, um, in throughout the Commonwealth, and to help the cities and towns uh, actually accomplish that, because they're very expensive. And what MSBA ends up doing is uh, giving a city or town about half the price of the building. Yeah. Um, in order to qualify for that, of course, there's a long process uh, of which uh, of which we started to participate in. We formed a, a building committee which is not the school committee, but it uh, has some school committee members on it and some parents, and uh, and that's one of the requirements. Uh, hired a architect, uh, Doran Whittier, who were the architects for the West Gloucester or West Parish School, and start the process. So the process uh, is, uh, as with many things in the state, uh, arduous in terms of uh, making sure all of your uh, uh, T's are crossed and I's dotted, but... Um, so, so Doran Whittier, the architects have come up with a, a bunch of options. Um, we've actually had two public meetings on this uh, that were uh, in the form of uh, ward meetings, uh, but they were focused on on where things stand on the 
process. One was a Ward 2 meeting because one of the um, uh, proposed sites is uh, is near the Green Street Playground, um, just adjacent to uh, all of those uh, neighborhoods that back up uh, behind uh, Our Lady, uh, and then back up on the other side to Gloucester Crossing. Uh, the other um, uh, uh, meeting we had was Ward 1, which is East Gloucester, because the East Gloucester School has been identified as one of the ones needing replacement. So, so the process has been to replace the East Gloucester School. Um, MSBA has suggested that we might want to consider consolidating that school with veterans and uh, to put a new combined school at some location uh, yet to be determined. So, so we're in the middle of that process. Um, it's going to uh, be there. They the architect's recommendations will come down um, uh, over the summer. There'll be a bunch of options that uh, our school building committee will, you know, sort through, and hopefully by the first of the year we'll have a um, a cohesive uh, choice. Uh, it's very important for everyone to recognize that this has all got to go before the voters, uh, not only on the location but on the funding. We 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 cannot fund our portion of the school without going to the voters for um, for a debt exclusion. So so the public is going to be intimately involved in all, all of the steps. But that's where things stand right now, Josh. Okay. And I know that there was uh, a lot of uh, discussion. People pushed back on the Pines location, a lot of pushback on the Green Street location. Um, and I can't believe that that uh, with the money the city and the philanthropic groups have put into Meadows Field that the city would consent to making that school there. But it, but that is still an option, isn't it? It's certainly an option, and it is one of the reasons it's an option is that uh, the city owns all that land. Uh, there are no restrictions, <clears throat> legal restrictions on the use of yeah. Mato's Field. Um, Mato's Field would, uh, and the mayor has made this commitment publicly to uh, to the uh, meeting we had uh, in City Hall on Monday, that we would not uh, have a plan to build on that location unless we actually had a plan to recreate Mato's Field at another location in that neighborhood, and number two, actually do it. Yeah. So... So yeah, it's it's all very fluid, Josh. Yeah. Um, at least that's the direction that people are talking about. Moving along uh, in the in the capital uh, budgeting, I know I saw Teddy Costa got appointed to the capital improvements advisory board. I saw some postings of meetings, so I, I guess the group is viable and, and up and running again. Uh, how close are we to having a capital improvements plan and? Where does the fire department fit into the uh, in terms of getting a new fire station? Sure, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so the administration has uh, had, uh, got, got some money from us, the city council, to uh, do a buildings assessment plan, which they are in the process of completing, and that will give the capital improvements group a template at which to say, okay. Here's the first thing we want to do. Here's the second thing we want to do. You know, uh, as with any old city, we have uh, uh, plenty of uh, opportunity to uh, build new buildings to replace old ones that are insufficient. 
um, you know, the specific question about the fire station and whether that would be, you know, next up or whether the, um, you know, the, the least space that we have over on Pond Road for much of uh, the city's administrative offices is the next thing. Uh, I just don't know yet, but the, that process is set up. And I have to give the administration credit. I mean, doing the building study first, which says, okay, the fire station is this old, it costs this much to fix it, and it costs this much to replace it. So with those facts, the Capital Improvement Advisory Committee will be able to, you know, make some recommendations. I saw where the Archdiocese of Boston has finally decided to deal with uh, the issue of the former St. Anne's High School. Uh, right. That property has been uh, abandoned. There's no, uh, there's no known ownership of it. It was part of, uh, it isn't owned by the Archdiocese. It isn't, uh, it was owned by the Healy Trust, which dissolved in 1962 or 64, and there are no known relatives of the Healy family that can be found. Um, once that, the disposition of that deed is, is known, then the Arch, then something can happen to that property, and there's, there's talk around that the city would be interested in uh, acquiring what used to be St. Anne's School, the, uh, the former high school, and the rectory, uh, and making that a city hall annex or a, a way station for a school temporarily if you build another school. Does that, that data reach the city council yet, or is that still just among the, the official, unofficial rumors floating around? <clears throat> well, certainly unofficial rumors. I mean, yeah. you know, you can speculate, oh, that seems like a good idea, and, yeah. and maybe it is. Um, you know, there are buildings there. It's obviously uh, adjacent to what we are considering, you know, the downtown uh, civic cultural district, which yeah. includes the library, the city hall, and the the museum and that whole area, um, it would, you know, geographically fit in well. Um, regarding, you know, what's there and what use we could put to it, I think that will also, you know, be part of the planning process. But um, certainly nice to have that option close by, I would, I'll say that. And um, obviously they'll, you know, do a proper evaluation of that. Sure. There's an ordinance I... I, I... I shouldn't say there is an ordinance. I came to understand that there was an ordinance about road repairs that uh, came about, I thought, when Toby was uh, mayor, uh, that says if you, if an entity, gas company, phone company, cable company, digs up the street, they have to pave it back to a standard specification, and if it doesn't withstand, they have to go back and do it again, even if it's, it's six months or a year later. Is that really an ordinance, and how do we do with that? Is that still enforceable? Can you give us any perspective on how that works? You know, uh, I do know that the standard is uh, for uh, the utilities that have their um, facilities buried under the street, the streets that are owned by the city, when they do their work, uh, yes, they are obligated to replace the uh, pavements and Generally, we work with them so that the it's it's not just a patch job; it, yeah. it is a repaving of the whole street. And I think that what what you see happening is, 
you know, as their construction process goes. And, and a great place to uh, look right now is Washington Street between the railroad tracks and the Legion, where there's been, you know, just a ton of work, both city water and uh, and gas company stuff. The gas company is there right now working at night. Um, and that, and you know, at some point that whole stretch will be, you know, repaved from uh, curb to curb as part of of that process. Okay, and is the uh, and, and what is the process by which the city determines uh, what roads get paved? Well, if it's if it's not if it's not something like what we just described, yep. where there's been actual work in the street, whether it's just general repair yep. paving. You know, it's a it's a question of resources. Our our, you know, chapter seventy resources are fairly limited. They they like everybody else. We get a, a bunch of money from the state based on the number of miles of roads we have, and uh, it's pretty low. And we you know try and prioritize uh, the ones that we that, that should be next. So um, the the DPW does that, and uh, and we just kind of proceed along unless there's some extraordinary uh, you know uh, issue with some particular road uh, we just kind of let them do it I had a uh, years ago I had uh, uh, paving contractor giving me quotations on paving across the high school parking lot and uh, he said how do you want me to, to to quote it and I said well how do you when you quote stuff for Ed Parks who was then the DPW director he says uh, how do you quote it for him? He said, well, I, it's different from Ed than other places. And I said, well, how is it different? He said, well, it, you know, if I were doing 150 feet of Magnolia Avenue, right, he said, then I'd spec it for 200 feet. If if it was two and a half inches of bituminous concrete, I'd I'd spec it for three and a half. And if it's 20 feet wide, I'd spec it for 25 feet wide. And I said, well, why would you do that? He said, very simple. He said, because... Parks comes in with his list of streets that he wants to get done, and then he goes to the city council, and they have their say about what they want. In this way, everybody's happy because Parks has got enough left over from Magnolia Avenue to take care of the streets <laughs> the city council didn't approve. So I, yeah. it, anyway, uh, <coughs> the uh, plastic straws is going to be an issue. Tell me about that. Well, you know, we've had a, we've had a series of uh, ordinance changes we had uh, to um, deal with this issue of this plastic into the waste stream, and we've tried to deal with it as many communities have. We've actually banned the use of the, you know, the one-use plastic bags at the grocery store. I have to say that, you know, my personal observation is that that, that seems to be working pretty well. I think that you know, when I was a kid and when you were a kid, there were no plastic bags no. in the uh, grocery store. You you had the paper bags or a box or... Of course, they were real paper own. then, but yeah, okay. So, so we're going back to what <laughs> we used to have, and, and I think people have adapted to that. Um, we've had an ordinance change about the uh, the styrofoam, you yeah. know, uh, food containers. And now we have a proposal uh, to ban straws and the little things that go in the coffee cup vent to keep them warm uh, oh, yeah, and that's yeah. just again something that we'll you know consider to, is it, right now that plastic straw one is in the form of a proposed ordinance and it's in committee and it will come to the city council for a public hearing at some point this summer birds at gloss at good harbor beach 
that yeah. seems to be an annual issue. Tell us about that and uh, where that is this year, and, and is that a big impact issue or getting a lot of – I know when we have a coyote issue, the Phil City Hall, uh, how, uh, how are things with the birds at Good Harbor? Well, we, we filled City Hall on that one, too. Okay. Um, the, the piping plovers, who are the little birds that yeah. come and nest at Good Harbor every year, are an endangered species. And according to federal and state law, you know, the landowner of, uh, of land where these little birds decide to um, nest is responsible for protecting them. In this case, Good Harbor is owned by the city, so it's our responsibility. And in the past years, you know, we've tried to you know, this, that, and the other thing. This year, we our Animal Advisory Committee, one of the, you know, many uh, volunteer committees we have in the city that, that we rely on to run the city, uh, they did a great job in researching and uh, recommending changes to the ordinance to primarily uh, uh, change the um, dogs on the beach ordinance because dogs on the beach running off-leash is one of the things that really is a problem for those uh, the, the birds when they're um, nesting. So sure. we changed the ordinance to say, used to say no dogs on the beach after May 1st. We changed it to April 1st because the plovers show up usually around for April 1st. Um, we had uh, a public hearing in City Hall. That was, uh, the place was full. We probably had 50 people speak that night. Most people were in favor of the change, even the dog owners who, you know, really advocate for as much freedom for their dogs as they can get. Uh, we're very supportive of the change to April 1st ban so that the plovers could be undisturbed, and uh, that has happened. Uh, the city did a really much better job in terms of uh, providing um, fencing and signage. <coughs> Excuse me. And so that, that and the plovers uh, laid four eggs, and we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, budget process. You guys are winding down. Where, where are we with the, with the city budget for uh, the new fiscal year? Yeah, so we passed the budget um, Tuesday night. Okay. We went through the usual process of mayor gives the budget to the council, goes to budget and finance. They do their rigorous department-by-department department review, comes back to city council for a public hearing, which we had two weeks ago, and then uh, Tuesday night we made the final vote. So that's done. Uh, balanced budget again, yep. and, uh, you know, there's a state requirement of when cities and towns have to have that done, and we complied with that, so we're good to go for fiscal 2020, which starts on July 1st. I remember a meeting uh, back in, had to be early 90s, I had a, uh, and it, it coincided on, it was June 30th, and it coincided with some event at Gloucester High School, so half the school board wasn't there had four members of the school committee out of seven. And by charter, you had to have four people vote on on your budget in order to vote any financial measure. And uh, we didn't have a budget. They didn't vote it that night. Right. You'd have to, you could only do like one fifty-second of it every week until they could do it. Well, we, fortunately enough, they all four people agreed, and we got out of there at a decent time. But uh, Disabilities Rights Commission. I know that uh, Val Gilman has worked on that along with Donna Leet from the administration. Uh, I've I've not been a uh, uh, 
all that quiet about uh, advocating for it. Uh, where is that in the process? Well, as you as you and I know, we've we you and I've had that discussion yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, the administration's response was, "Well, we have a human rights commission ordinance already on the books." Wouldn't and which was dormant, by the way. The, there was nobody on the commission. It's been around for. Wouldn't that be something that we would reinvigorate and add uh, the disability part to that? Yeah. And I think that's what we've done. Um, and I think we are still in a planning and development hearing on that. Maybe it's happened and maybe it's not. I'm not exactly sure. But um, this whole thing... Something's coming up the 25th, so I, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, okay. So that will happen, Josh. Let me say that. That will happen. We will have an active human rights commission with uh, with uh, a focus on disabilities. So that that's going to happen. Well, that's good. There's a lot of uh, a lot of folks who will benefit by it, and I uh, I told Valerie Gilman that uh, although I'm familiar, largely familiar with with people with who have, who have afflicted with handicaps, that I had Jenny Donahue, who's the chairwoman of the uh, commission in Newburyport on the radio show two years ago, election cycle, and she was very informative, and I, my eyes were opened about all of the really complexities, uh, whether it's the, the, the right down to the curb, how, how the curb is cut in terms of getting a, a wheelchair on or off and how you deal with one handicap versus another. So how does that curb cut meet the right. specs for someone who's blind who's walking with a walking stick? Uh, and uh, so there's a lot to it. And uh, I think it over you know, when you add in some of the things that the nonprofit uh, agencies like uh, Senior Care with dementia, and, and there's a lot of folks out there who are going to benefit by there being a focus group advocating on their behalf. Yes, there will, and, and as 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 we all know, um, nothing uh, generates uh, positive activity like a little, um, you know, a little spotlight, and yeah. um, and that's that's what this does, as well as provides for the you know uh, the legislative mechanism to do what has to be done. So I'm I'm very uh, encouraged that we're going to make some progress on that. Joe. Well, you know, we, we Massachusetts, we 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 uh, we're ahead of the curve in a lot of states, and I I notice when I travel to other states uh, that aren't as progressive as Massachusetts, that the conditions are are very. Uh, uh, 1960-ish. You know, it's not. Right. Uh, it's you know, they don't provide a ramp. They don't provide. You know, it's. Uh, pick a door, and you can try to bring your wheelchair through that, but, you know, it doesn't, the ramp doesn't meet a code or what have you, and so forth. You hired a new police chief, uh, and the great, uh, had the fame nationwide surge, brought him in a, a very nice salary. Um, what What is that, is that salary going to become the standard uh, for, uh, and I noticed that Rockport hired uh, uh, somebody sure. for uh, $145,000 for uh, uh, admin to the uh, council and so forth. Uh, does that be the, is that the, uh, the watermark, if you will, to raise the tide for other city officials? Is that what well, we should be see, see coming and, and well, as, as part of city management, I would argue that, no, that's not a standard or a watermark or any of that stuff. Okay. 
And uh, Rockport uh, did what they thought they had to do to um, attract that particular candidate. You know, these things, uh, personnel things, are all candidate-specific. We have a range of salaries. Um, you know, you you offer uh, the salary that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, commensurate, commensurate to the person that you're hiring with based on their responsibility and what they're getting now and all that stuff that goes into it. So I don't think it's outside of our range of uh, you know senior leaders in our uh, in our um, in our management group, fire chief, DPW, uh, human um, community resources, that kind of thing. Um, and I think we're very very pleased with the selection of uh, Chief Conley. I think we're quite pleased with that selection. So I'm sure that it'll all that will work out, and he's a good uh, member of the team. Great, great. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest on Trending Now with Josh Allen. We certainly covered a lot of uh, uh, a lot of ground. Uh, uh, any last comments that you'd offer about the 400th uh, celebration coming up? Well, you know, I guess I would say this. Um, like everything else we do in the city that is a huge success, <clears throat> it involves the public's, the public's uh, willing to volunteer and, and put their uh, shoulders to the wheel, which is happening. And it's going to be a tremendous success because of that. It's just like everything else we do. We, we rely on our citizens to help. We encourage them to help, and we really appreciate their help. And the 400 is going to be no different. And this is an election year, and do I trust that you will be seeking re-election? <laughs> well, it is an election year, and, you know, this is, you know, we at, in municipal elections, we're at the off cycle because it's not, it's not the congressional elections. It's just us. And, uh, and so we all, excuse me, right now, uh, we, you know, we have a pretty modest slate running for city council. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, newcomers. If any newcomers are listening to this, I would encourage them to uh, think seriously about taking out papers and joining us in the, in the, uh, in the race. So, uh, you know, running for office is a great thing to do, and uh, I enjoy doing it, and I'll do it again. Good, great. Well, thank you for being a guest, and uh, good luck in your campaign. And we'll All have right, you thanks. back maybe the end of the summer uh, sure. to talk uh, talk about uh, where things are at then. Okay, Josh, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Paul. Take care. This summer, the Gloucester House, Seven Seas Wharf, is open seven days a week. The Blue Collar Bar features brand new big screen TVs, outside tables on the waterfront, and weekly live entertainment on the dock. Fabulous Fridays feature a complete meal with appetizer, choice of super salad, entree, beverage for $24.99. The Gloucester House is also the general store site of Wicked Tuna merchandise. Owner Lenny Linguada invites you to the Gloucester House. We serve the freshest seafood from our boats to your plate. You know, I, I just have to make one comment. Uh, we're just doing this off the air and just playing devil's advocate here. Um, I, I, are we off the air or on the air? We are on the air now. Oh, okay. I, right. I, still, I still bristle. I have a problem with what's going on at, at Blackburn, as you well know. Yeah. And uh, Greg Verga and I used to talk about this many times when he was <clears throat> on the program. And um, as, as an educator and as a taxpayer with kids, it, it hurt me to see the way the Fuller School property was handled. And by that, I mean at one point it was valued at close to $20 million. It was $19 million, I believe. Yeah. It was sold for $5 million, of which the city, I believe, gets four. And 
at the same time that that school is being taken down and other facilities are being put up, <laughs> somebody proposed that that they used Green Street to build a new school, <laughs> which is which is right there in the neighborhood. And uh, you know, I just uh, I'm, I'm apolitical, Josh, so I just I just don't get it. And from that, that being said, that's probably the last thing I'm going to say about politics for a long, long time because I gotta I gotta pull away from a I, I'm, I'm having a problem with high blood pressure and hypertension, so this doesn't help. Okay. Well, I think that uh, the Falls School at one time was one of the best properties the school system city owned. Uh, it was built by the Archdiocese, and then there was an uh, addition built uh, just about the time you were hired, I think. Uh, they, they connected the the uh, annex to uh, the added industrial arts classrooms and, and so forth, and they supported the move from Central Grammar to Fuller, uh, and then O'Malley was being built. And, uh, uh, you know, as the educational philosophy has changed, you know, it was acquired. It was originally a high school, um, and then it became a junior high school. And then it was shifting, we shifted from a junior high to a middle school concept, and that became the, the sort of like the central city uh, elementary school, um, they did their best to make it, uh, you know, fairly well accommodating for elementary children, but um, in the end, they uh, chose to close that in favor of building portable schools, going back to an elementary uh, setting design, and I think at the time that that was seen as I don't know how it was seen at the time, but you know, the, clearly the portables had a shelf life. So any place that has a portable, you know, they're going to have to do something because everything has a life cycle. You know, they they built East Gloucester and West Parish in 1948 and 49, and uh, they replaced West Parish. Uh, so it stands to reason that you would rebuild or replace East Gloucester. Uh, you've got Veterans Memorial and Beeman sister schools built in 54 and 57. Uh, what are you going to do there? You know, wh- how long till you have to do something there? Um, do you sell Plum Cove and use the money to build a new place? You've got plenty and, of land and, in Beeman. And, and you make my argument for me because you said it already had been a central grammar school, not central grammar on Dale Avenue, but a central, a, a center of the city school elementary-wise. And my contention as a parent was, um, okay, we live in a neighborhood, <clears throat> excuse me, where there is a school a mile down the road, two miles down the road, but my kids still had to get on the school bus to go to it. So if they're going to get on a school bus, it doesn't make any difference to me if they go two miles or three miles or four miles to the Fuller School because the Fuller School, as you said, was um, a, a really nice, well, you didn't say it, but it was a very nicely constructed, oh. had a beautiful kitchen, two beautiful gyms, yeah. Um, we an talked auditorium about that had a, an incredible had auditorium, an amp, music amp, and and um, in the, in in the auditorium and the music place was designed for the Frank Tosti, one of the fathers that was affiliated St. Peter's High School. In 06 or 07, some there, uh, somewhere thereabouts, no longer pull maintenance on the building, and that's when it went downhill big time, very yep. fast. Yep. And that disturbed me that they let that property then they go. Cut the, they cut the electricity and they cut the heat, and it was just a matter of time yeah, before it yeah. fell apart. Disarray, and then the uh, and again, I, someone needs to explain to me how the property value went from twenty million to five. That I don't get. 
and I was told by somebody in the city that okay, that's true, but the city actually only gets four because of housing or something. I don't I don't get that. But at any rate, um, you know that that that's a, a cause for concern for me, and and I just um, I, I know there is rationale behind it, and I know that uh, business is coming in, and 200 housing units are coming in. I, I think which of uh, a very small percentage of which will be affordable housing. And that's one thing I, I know that you brought up with many of your guests, and I'm sure you will in the future, affordable housing in different um, regions of the North Shore. I guess it's a major, it's a problem, major problem in Massachusetts. And people as Gloucester, afford, People grew up in Gloucester, can't afford to live here anymore. And as Gloucester trends toward becoming Newport, Rhode Island North, it's yep. going to be even more difficult because, uh, you know, you've got the, the, the hotel property, you've got... Um, you know, all the waterfront property that is, is just uh, in, incredibly expensive. Um, and, and that raises the prices all over all over town. So you're right. And I think I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, to, you have to, to ask see. the question, how many, you know, is, is East Gloucester, um, if you if you have a child, if you live on Highland Street or Chapel Street or Atlantic Road, do you want your kid bussed to Veterans Memorial? I don't think people in East Gloucester are going to stand for that. And I, you know, it'd be like, you know, uh, it'd be like buying a house on Rainer Street or Cherry Street and told they can't go to Beeman, they have to go to Fuller. Or they have to go to West Parish. And all of that would have been settled had you had one central school. They chose... There would be no, they, there would be no argument because you've got one school. They They chose to waffle, I think, on the contentious issue of redistricting and busing and all the things that go with that. And in Gloucester, uh, although it's a, a small city, uh, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. it is a third or fourth largest landmass city Geographically, it's uh, big. In, in the state. Yeah. So uh, it's, the solutions aren't easy. And, and to go, we all grew up with a neighborhood school system I mean, it was kidding Paul Lundberg and tell him this. I, yeah, I, most of the family went to East Gloucester School, uh, myself included. But by the time you know we, uh, by the time I went to East Gloucester, the family was living on Trag Alexander Road. I was the first kid that had to take a bus to East Gloucester. Uh, it was just walk down the hill from uh, what's now Arnold Way. Uh, and uh, but you grew up in a neighborhood thing, and the idea of a central or a magnet school or those kind of things that didn't exist. And uh, uh, there were some and it other, still doesn't. <laughs> well, there were there were other issues uh, the city was wrestling with that were beneath the surface about uh, that it wasn't as simple. Let's cut it. Let's get rid of this one so the Y can have it. There was there were it was more involved, but. It's always going to have the stigma that the YMCA saw it as as the the coveted location, and and the tail wagged the dog on this one. But but the, it, my understanding is it was a lot more complex than that. I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, I, I speak totally out of ignorance and just out of uh, hard feelings because I thought it would have been a great place. And it was. And I and I I actually worked in that building for one year, and it was just the most gorgeous building. It was. It, it was, was great. Beautiful. It oh, was great. Goodness. Yeah. Well, that notwithstanding, um, we're we are on an iffy schedule for the rest of the summer. So much going on, and uh, Bill and I are, are uh, Bill Newell and I are busy doing uh, many many things this summer. And our Friday programming is totally up in the air right now, so I don't know when our next program will be. We might be able to do this sporadically during the summer, in all likelihood not until school starts up again. However, 
That doesn't mean that you can't get out there and talk to some of your people. And then what we'll do is uh, we'll have the Trending Now with Josh Arnold posts. They won't be live programs, but they will be podcasts, and you're welcome to do that. And I encourage you to do that because you have so many people that you are connected with all over the place. So hopefully we can do that as the summer. And some some of the people that we'd like to have on the show have often uh, been a scheduling issue. So if, if we change the dynamic a little bit... Uh, well, I should point out, you were ready to go last week, and we had an emergency, yeah. a medical emergency, and we could not get on the air last week, and that uh, I hope, you know, I apologize to, no, your, no. to your guests and to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, that did happen last week, so uh, I, I should have mentioned that at the beginning of the program. At any rate, stay tuned, keep looking, tell people about Trending Now with Josh Arnold. We've got a whole archive of josh's shows all you have to do is on our website just type in trending now and and all those programs will come up they're still there all of our history is there all of josh's programs are there and we will be posting as i said josh's interviews as time goes on until we get back here live so make sure you check out the website morestuffonline.com every single day bill newell and i will be posting news and sports videos as well i'll be heading over to gloucester high school today to talk with the uh, gloucester softball captains as they go into the state final championship tomorrow out at worcester state and we'll be talking with uh, coach john john nicastro as well and uh, lots of other things coming up here on mso news sports as well so please Email us at msonewsports at gmail.com. Check out our Twitter account at msonewsports. And, of course, you can contact Josh. Arnold at uh, joshonald at verizon.net. There you go. All right. Happy summer. Happy summer. All right. That's it. This is MSO News Sports. This has been Trending Now with Josh Arnold. I'm Rick Moore. Our producer and engineer is Bill Popofsky. Hold on. Let me turn that down while you make all that noise. There we go. We'll be back uh, at some point, so please check us out. On behalf of everybody here, thank you very much. Happy summer. Have a great day. Bye-bye.